Welcome back, everyone, to Tip of the Spear with your Missoula County Commissioners. I'm Dave Strohmeyer, and I'm joined today with my fellow commissioners, Juanita Vero and Josh Slotnick. And also today, we are delighted to be joined by Ray Reiser, the Diversion Coordinator in the County Attorney's Office. Thank you for joining us today, Ray, on this Halloween day in October. Yes, thank you for having me. So today, we're going to talk about a county program called Calibrate which is a prosecutorial-led pretrial diversion program. That's a real mouthful. That was started in 2019. So, Ray, can you give us some background on Calibrate and its context? What is it and why did we create it? Sure. So, the program is, in fact, based in the, uh, the Missoula County Attorney's Office. And what we're doing here is we've provided an, a new and innovative way of handling criminal cases. And it's a little different from your traditional prosecution model. So typically someone goes to jail, charged with a crime, and they're faced with the court process. And that's going to involve lots of court hearings, lots of court activity, and eventually maybe a trial. Okay, And we're trying to determine whether or not that, that individual is guilty or innocent. And, and if they're guilty, what kind of sentence should that person receive? Now, with Calibrate, we've actually removed the person from the court proceedings. It is a voluntary program, voluntary process. And if an individual is involved in the program, they're asked to engage in a program or a, a, a certain aspects that they would need to do. And that might include some counseling, maybe community service, maybe payment of restitution if their victim is owed some money could involve uh, drug and alcohol monitoring in some cases. And provided that person successfully completes everything that's asked of them, the charge against them is actually dismissed. You asked why was this created? Well, it was created for a couple of reasons. I look at it like an opportunity to address those underlying causes of why that individual has found themselves in trouble with the law. Additionally, I think it's entirely correct to say that not every person that's charged with a crime needs to be convicted of that crime in order to achieve the ultimate outcome of justice. I think there are ways, frankly, in, in our system that we can get to justice without reaching that criminal conviction. And lastly, I think it, it makes good financial sense, and it saves the taxpayers a significant amount of money to have fewer people in jail and fewer people on probation in our correction system. How does Calibrate the program a, a different experience for your quote-unquote typical defendant? And what's rehabilitative about it? Well, of course, there's no court appearances involved. Once the individual is in, enrolled in the program, they're not working with their attorney. They're not dealing with different motions in court and going to court and stuff like this. Instead, they're working with me or my coworker, uh, Maria McLean, works with me. And th there's no trial involved here. Uh, we've, we've really taken it out of the court process. And by the way, by doing that, we're freeing up court resources, time and resources in the court system, and there's a great benefit there as well. And ultimately, as I mentioned earlier, the benefit to that individual, to that defendant, is the dismissal of the charge against them. And I think you asked about the rehabilitative aspect. So what we're doing here is, again, we want to address those underlying causes, all right? So if we have an individual who might be dealing with substance use, they're going to be asked to engage in some sort of counseling to address that substance use. Similarly, maybe they have a, an underlying mental illness. We want to connect them with the right mental health services to address that, all with the idea of stabilizing our clients and keeping them out of the criminal justice system in the future. So when I talk about things like treatment to match what an individual might be dealing with, there's actually a term here, and it's called the risk-need responsivity model. It's matching our clients with the right level of services to address whatever it is that they might be dealing with. So the question that's probably on a lot of folks' minds is, how do you go about deciding who, are, who is eligible for this program? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked that. And honestly, it might be easier to address it by saying who's not eligible. 
I think it'll give a little bit better contact. So criminal defendants that are not eligible for diversion here in Missoula County would be folks charged with sex offenses, serious crimes of violence like aggravated assault or assault with a weapon, those types of serious crimes where you may have a, a victim who has incurred some, some significant physical or emotional harm. Additionally, people with uh, lengthy criminal histories, maybe they've been to prison, those individuals are not going to be eligible for the diversion program. So what that leaves us with is folks that are facing crimes like embezzlement or drug charges, criminal mischief, maybe a few misdemeanor assaults, but the more serious crimes are not folks that are that are really good candidates for diversion. What if I'm the victim of a crime, of, of any of those offenses that would allow someone to be eligible for the program, but I say, absolutely not. I, I want this person at least tried, and uh, I want to run this through the court system. I, I don't want to see this person right. in diversion. How would that look? How, how does that play out? County Attorney's Office here in Missoula is a, a victim-focused or a victim-centered office, so we really want the buy-in of those victims. And we're going to re- actually reach out to victims before we initiate the contact with the defendant um, to try and learn whether or not those victims would be on board with handling the case this way. Got it. Thanks. That's great. That's great. Ray, there's a lot of talk out there right now about crime rates. I got a couple of questions for you, but first, how does Calibrate reduce the crime rate? Well, so when an individual is, is faced with a crime, there's this, there's this term, term called a teachable moment that I like to use. I use that with my kids a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So a teachable moment in, in the case of uh, someone accused of a crime can be when someone is really receptive to learn from maybe their mistake or figure out what it is that they are doing and figure out a way to do things differently. So by reducing the crime rate, we really need to address those underlying causes of what brought the individual to the attention of the criminal justice system. Additionally, I mentioned earlier, or we've talked a little bit about target population of the Calibrate program is low and moderate risk individuals. All right. And I would suggest that the higher risk individuals would be better served by our probation parole officers, maybe our Department of Corrections system. And by alleviating the need to put so many people into the correction system. If I can divert a certain number of folks away from that correction system, it allows our probation parole officers more time or more energy to focus on some of those higher risk individuals. There are studies out there that show that both groups, if you will, low risk, moderate risk, high risk, they all respond better by not being grouped together and handled together, if you will. So Calibrate allows us to separate the high-risk folks from the non-high-risk folks and get the high-risk folks the attention they need. So they either end up in jail or figure out that they shouldn't be doing these things. I think that's a good way to put it, yes. The financial piece of this, and I don't, I don't mean to take away from the human element, but a night in jail is 120 bucks, or a day in jail is 120 bucks. So tell us more about the, the savings, or maybe that's the wrong term, but the money not spent yeah, the money not spent. That's exactly right. And and if we have someone that's diverted out of the court system, we're not spending court dollars on handling their cases. Uh, we're not spending more and more dollars on their eventual incarceration. And certainly, you know, if they're not going to prison, that's a, that is a, a, a monetary benefit. And if we can make the right decisions early on in the process about who is low risk, who is moderate risk, who is high risk, these types of things, and divert some folks out, we can really, really make an impact there and save some money. So don't or we, not spend some money, if you will. Ray, do you, do you think it's accurate? A Missoulian said that uh, about 12,000 days of diversion have been amassed through Calibrate. I will add that uh, that was as of January 
of 2022. And since that time, we've had a lot more folks that have been in, enrolled in the Calibrate program, which has equated to additional money not spent. But just just the back of the napkin calculation, 12,000 days diverted. At 120 at, bucks a day. That, that's like, it what, over a million bucks or something? Over a million one, dollars. 1.4 million? Not, not spent. So this diverting and kind of sorting people who are in the criminal justice system, doesn't that already happen in pretrial and, and probation? How, how is pretrial supervision? Somebody who's supervised before they go to trial, they're accused, but they haven't gone to trial yet, but they're in the system. How does that, how's that different than Calibrate? And how, how's probation different from Calibrate? Sure. Pretrial supervision, those are the folks that are working with individuals that are charged with crimes. And, and those individuals often will either take their case to trial or maybe plead guilty or maybe maybe be found not guilty. You asked about probation. Those are individuals that have already been sentenced. They're living out in the community. They have a probation officer that they are working with. With Calibrate, we're actually removing the defendant or the individual from the court system altogether. That's the, really the big difference is Great. we've taken them right out of the court system. Right. Thanks. To continue with this, like, can you give us some examples of the steps a Calibrate participant might go through? Yeah. Or maybe tell us a story. And I know everyone's situation is different, but uh, are there particular success stories that stick out? Yeah. Well, maybe I could talk about the referral process a tiny bit first. And what we're looking at is uh, individuals that may be eligible for pretrial diversion. And those are going to come from either the prosecutor or the defense counsel. In some cases, law enforcement officers have given us referrals as well. As far as the defendants themselves, they really need to work with their attorney and try and find out if they're a good candidate for pretrial diversion. Once an individual is identified, they would come and meet with myself or my, my coworker, Maria, we would conduct an interview. So they have to be referred first. They can't be, you can't refer on your own. That is correct. Okay. It's not going to be a, a self-referral. So they're coming from a, an official referral source or one of those individuals that I mentioned. So they'll meet with us. And, and what we're doing in that interview, that's where we're determining the risk level. And we use an objective assessment system. It's called the Ohio Risk Assessment System. It's a widely used and validated a system that both Maria and I have been extensively trained on. And that gives us that rating or risk level of either low, moderate, or high risk that helps us determine whether or not we're going to offer up diversion and what diversion is going to look like for each individual. It's going to be different for each individual, and that's important. It should be individualized. Okay, tell, tell us a story. Any good ones stuck in your mind? Success stories. I do have a success story, and I'm glad you asked that. There was an individual... Some time ago, he was a general contractor, business owner here in town, got himself into a little bit of trouble and was referred to pretrial diversion. Part of his diversion plan was to conduct some community service hours. I had assigned him 20 hours. He had to do 20 hours of work out in the community. And so the community service program here with uh, Missoula Correctional Services, they had sent him to Habitat for Humanity. And I mentioned he's a contractor, so he knows his way around. He knows which end of a hammer to use and things like this. He did a great job. Honestly, he did a great job. I got such good feedback from the folks at Habitat for Humanity. And I said he, he had 20 hours to do. He worked two eight-hour days. Then he came back for that third day, worked the first four hours. Well, he didn't leave. He went ahead and he finished out his, his full day, that shift. And at last report, he said that he was going to continue to volunteer some time for Habitat for Humanity when, when, when available. So it's really a neat story. It sort of comes around full circle. He was, in fact, successful, was able to have his charge dismissed, and, and really gave back to the community. So it was it was a good thing. And he's stayed out of trouble since. He has. Thanks and continues to, to serve and volunteer with Habitat. That's wonderful. 
How many folks have gone through this yeah. program? I've actually enrolled 106 so far. Since and its inception? Or? Since its inception. And how yeah. many graduated? And I'm running about 85 to 90% of the individuals that enroll do graduate. That's great. Wow, Ray, so that's, that's incredible. Yeah, that's, that's, so, that's fantastic. So it, it has been, it's been really rewarding. It's been a positive experience. And frankly, it's good for the community. It's been a very good program all around. Ray, have we missed anything? I would like to mention something. I often get asked, how do you determine success? What does success look like? And you asked me, you know, how many people have enrolled and we want to know numbers and things like this. Well, I'm not the greatest number person, but we've initiated work with the university sociology department. Our goal here, we're going to have a study, um, a complex study of everything that's happened with the Calibrate program to really help determine what what does success mean? What does it look like? And frankly, there's going to be some things that will come out of this study that I'm sure aren't going to be perfectly glowing, but we can take that information and make the improvements we need. It's interesting thinking about success. We're not just speaking solely about the defendant, but if, if someone goes to jail, that is incredibly disruptive, not just with that person's life, but their job, their family, their associates, like that um, can is. have a pretty big impact on the rest of the community in ways that I know I didn't really think about until it learning is. about sort this of program. A, there's really a domino effect there that occurs. And I don't want to uh, be the one that advocates for shutting down the jail because it's not where I'm coming from here. I do, in fact, believe that there are folks that are charged with crimes that do, in fact, need to be incarcerated oh, for the safety I, of the community. I think most people can agree on that. Yep, absolutely. You talk about collateral consequences is, is the term that, that's often used. And the collateral consequences of both incarceration can affect a person's family, their, their employment situation, and things like this. Well, take that a step further. The collateral consequences of a criminal conviction can also have those deleterious effects on an individual and their family and their employment status. And so, you know, with looking at certain individuals, finding the right combination of factors and the right people that are the right candidates for diversion, we can limit some of that. Great. So one thing I just wanted to let folks know is that Calibrate is a service that could be funded by the crisis services levy, which is on the ballot this November. And if you are interested in learning more about any of that, you can find out more at uh, MissoulaCountyVoice.com. So before we close, can you share with us a nugget of wisdom or good book or, or something we should uh, look into? I listen to a lot of podcasts. Well, when I'm not listening to Tip of the Spear... <laughs> to, uh, that is the I right do. answer. <laughs> yes. Well played. <laughs> I listen to NPR a lot. I listen to a lot of podcasts. And there's another podcast that I, that I like that I'm going to give a little plug for if I could. It's called Stuff You Should Know. It's a couple of fellows talking about a wide range of topics. Everything from some of the recent ones that I listened to were one about the Pony Express, another one about Roe v. Wade, and another about the Appalachian Trail. Just a incredibly wide variety of topics. And, and I find it interesting, so... That's my shameless plug for oh, good. stuff you thanks, should know. Thanks for the tip. Yeah. That's a good one. Thanks, Ray. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for coming by, and thanks for the work you do. Yeah, thank Absolutely. you. Thank you, and thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Tip of the Spear podcast. If you enjoy these conversations, it would mean a lot if you would rate and review the show on whichever podcast app you like. And if you know a friend who would like to keep up with what's happening in local government, be sure to recommend this podcast to them. The Tip of the Spear podcast is made possible with support from MCAT, better known as Missoula Community Access Television, and our staff in the Missoula County Communications Division. If you have a question or topic you'd like us to address on a future episode, email it to communications at missoulacounty.us. And to find other ways to stay up to date with what's happening at Missoula County, go to missoula.co slash county updates. And thanks for listening.